My name is Abby, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch this message from the church. We pray that you are highly blessed and encouraged. We would love to connect with you more at our website at www.thechurchokc.com. But we're starting a new series tonight called Make Way for the King. And for those of you that have been with us before, you know, there's a song that has kind of become the anthem of this church called Make Way for the King. And I will not sing it for you because I don't want to ruin it. But uh, it's a great song and, and, and it's just, it speaks so much to kind of who we're about and, 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 and our mission, which is to make way for the King, for King Jesus, not just in our life, but in our community, in our family, in this neighborhood, in this town, in this world, we want to make way for King Jesus. And so we're going to be starting that series tonight. But before we do, let me tell you a little story. Uh, one day while a woodcutter was cutting a branch of a tree above a river, his axe fell into the river. When he cried out, the Lord appeared and asked, Why are you crying? The woodcutter replied that his axe has fallen in the water and he needed the axe to make his living. The Lord went down into the water and reappeared with the golden axe, made of pure gold. Is this your axe? The Lord asked. The woodcutter replied, No. The Lord again went down and came up with a silver axe. Is this your axe? The Lord replied. Again, the woodcutter replied, No. The Lord went down again and came up with an iron axe. Is this your axe? The Lord asked. The woodcutter replied, Yes. The Lord was pleased with the man's honesty and gave him all three axes to keep. And the woodcutter went home happy. Sometime later, the woodcutter was walking with his wife along the riverbank, and his wife fell into the river. When he cried out, the Lord again appeared and asked him, Why are you crying? Oh Lord, my wife has fallen into the river. The Lord went down into the water and came up with Jennifer Lopez. Is this your wife? The Lord asked. Yes, cried the woodcutter. The Lord was furious. You lied. That is an untruth. The woodcutter replied, Oh, forgive me, my Lord. It is a misunderstanding. You see... If I had said no to Jennifer Lopez, you would have come up with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Then if I also said no to her, you would have come up with my wife. Had I then said yes, you would have given me all three. Lord, I am a poor man, and I'm not able to take care of all three wives, so that's why I said yes to Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> And every man said, Amen. Amen. And every woman said, Oh my. <laughs> Tonight we're going to talk about, in our first, our first message in this Make Way for the King series. And, and, and this is going to be, if you've been with us before, this, we've just come out of this manifesto series, which has been a pretty deep and intense kind of series. But this is going to be a little more applicable, life applicable, I, I guess you could say a little more easy to take. And we're going to talk about how we can make way for the king in different areas of our life and of our world. Um, <laughs> in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, while you're turning there, a story is told of a, of a, a, a preacher and, and he was kind of fed up with life and with the way things were going and so he was sitting there one day and, and he had, didn't go to church and his son had come home from Sunday school and, and his son had a very uh, old school Sunday school teacher. I don't know how many of you grew up in the church, but you know those, those old church ladies that, I mean, you know, they were everybody's mother and they didn't mind telling everybody, including the pastor, you know, the what for. Well, 
the son came home and told his dad, the, the, the pastor, and, and said, Dad, you know, Miss, Miss Rosenball in, 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 in Sunday school class, she listed off a whole bunch of sins, and she said if you committed any of them, even if you're a kid, you were going straight to hell. And the dad, again being fed up, looked at his son and said, well, Mrs. Rosenball is the backside of a donkey. Used different words than that, so I won't repeat that. And his son's eyes got real big. And he went, oh, she said that's one of the sins. And he said, son, that's baloney. Of course, he said something else. <laughs> and he asked his son, he said, Son, whenever Jesus was sitting there talking, and this is the story that we're going to read here in just a second. When Jesus was sitting there talking and the expert in the religious law came to him and said, what's the greatest commandment? And, and Jesus told him uh, that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And he asked his son, he said, so what do you think sin really is? And his son, not wanting to be wrong, just kind of stood there with that look and said, not doing that? He said, yeah, that's it. And if you think about that, that's absolutely true. You know, it's easy for us to, to name sins, and, and I promise you every single one of us walked in here tonight with a sin problem. You know, it may not be a lying problem, may not be a drug problem, may not be uh, a sex problem or, or any of that kind of stuff, but you walked in with a sin problem, every single one of us, including me. And if we open up and read in Luke chapter 10 this story, in verse 25 it says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking this, this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. You know, tonight I want to talk to us a little bit about pride. Because the greatest hindrance to us making room for the king and making way for the king in our life is pride. And everything comes back to that. Every sin, every issue comes back to that. And it really is contained in this verse 27. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. You know, I remember when I was in high school and college and I was dating. And, and um, you know, when you get that girl, when you get that girl and you're just like, you know, the birds are, are chirping, you know, and, you know, like every day is like the rainbows outside. And I mean, it's just, it's gorgeous, you know, and you would just do anything that you can do for that girl. And even, even if you don't agree with her opinion on something, you know, you invite her over to watch sports and you choose a team because they're good and she chooses a team because she likes their uniforms, you know, and you're like, Yes, that's why I choose the team too. You know, everything is because you're so passionate about that girl. Or for ladies, shoes. Um, whatever it may be, you're passionate about shoes. I, I don't know what, what you girls are passionate about, but whatever. What this is saying in this verse, verse 27, is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. It means that more than what you want to do, more than the what you value, you love God more. It doesn't say, 
love the Lord your God with most of your heart, with most of your mind, with most of your soul. It doesn't say love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul when it's convenient and you haven't had a bad day and everybody's treating you well and you've got that raise and you've got that job and you're feeling good about yourself and all that. Those aren't the conditions on it. It's just flat out love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And when we don't do that, it's sin. And so you think about that. When we do what we want to do instead of doing what we should, we're sinning because we're putting our wants, our desires, our pride above what God wants, above what God desires, above where God is trying to take us. Every single sin, every single sinful thought, every single sinful action comes back to pride. Well, I'm not a prideful person. Yeah, you are. I just, you know, we, we've deal with some people, um, you know, we've been ministered to some people and, and we've been, you know, trying to help some people and, and the one issue that every single one of them, when, when, they, when they go off and they, they kind of turn their back on what God's doing in their life, it's because they know better. It's because they know, they, they, they know more rightly. They, they know what's best for them. And they say, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it instead of the way that you want me to, God. And that's what this verse is saying. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbors as yourself. And Jesus said, right, do this and you will live. I mean, it's very simple. You know, a lot of times I think that we just make church and Christianity a lot more difficult than it needs to be. You know, it was one of the things with the Pharisees, and, and again, if you've got your Bibles, we'll put it up here, but I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 15, starting verse 11. We'll be there in just a second. But we, we come up with this list of, of, of sins and this list of things that we don't do. I remember when I was in church, the pastor would always say, you don't cuss, you don't smoke, you don't chew, and you don't go with girls that do. You know, and that was like, it was like we're so good as Christians at knowing what, what we don't believe in, of knowing what we don't do, of what we stand against instead of what we stand for. And this is why when, when all the Christians want to get up and support Chick-fil-A, look, I love Chick-fil-A. Do you really think Jesus is concerned with the chicken sandwich franchise? Do you think that's what like moves him from his, he's sitting there, he's going, oh Lord, they're coming against the chicken sandwich. You know, Jesus, Jesus. We're speaking the name of Jesus over chicken sandwiches. You know, we're so good at saying what we stand against, but we're so bad at living what we stand for. Verse 11 of chapter 15, this is a story that most of us are probably familiar with. It's the story of the prodigal son. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. This is that pride and this is, this is something that we can all relate to because whatever problem you're facing, whatever addiction or sin you're facing, you do have a sin problem. You do have a pride problem. This is why Jesus had to come and die and, and this is what this story and this younger son is, is so evidently Reflecting to us tonight, the younger son told his father, I want what I want and I want it now. So give it to me 
now. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. The man set him, sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. This is where pride leads us. This is, this is why so many of us get addicted to those crippling sins. And, and, and look, it's not just that pride leads us down these dirt, dark, dirty roads you know, to where we end up you know, drugged out on the street corner. It's also as Christian as those that have our life on track when we stand up and we say, I know what all of this means and I can fit it all in and you need to listen to me. You need to be like me because I know the Bible. I know God and this is what He's saying and you're a sinner. And, and as, you know, when we get up on the street corner and we say, you're all going to hell. I can give you a perfect example in today's time. How many of you have heard of Westboro Baptist Church? They're a church of... Uh, I'm not going to call them Baptist because they're not Baptist, regardless of the name on their sign. But they go out and they picket funerals and they, you know, of kids and of um, military people coming back. And they say, this is, this is because of America's homosexuality and, and because of abortion, because of this, that God is bringing all this on. And God hates fags and all this kind of stuff. And this is the stuff that they're saying at funerals and that they're picketing. Well, the pastor of that church died this past week. And that church had planned to picket this concert in Kansas City of this, this new artist named Lord or something, European artist, some girl. And uh, when they showed up, I love this, when they showed up to picket, there was already some people there that had a big banner that said, sorry for your loss. Now you think of who was prideful. So you, you, you can think that you're in right standing with God. You can think that you have it all together, that you know, and that there's no room for correction in your life, and that there's no room, you know, that it's not you need to reflect and, 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 and reflect on your life and how you handle things, but it's everybody else. Everybody else has the problem, not me. And that's what pride does. And when it comes to sin and when it comes to relationships, you know, whether it's between a husband and a wife and you're, you're fighting, it's not that she's to fault at fault and it's not that you're at fault, it's that you both are at fault. See, this is why the blood of Jesus is so important for us. It's not that this is important until we get saved. This is always important to us. This is important for the entire of eternity but what happens when we get saved is that we become aware of the importance of it for the rest of our life. This is why Paul said that, that I, you know, uh, I, I, I crucify myself daily. You know, that, that, that each day I start at the foot of the cross. This is, this is why we approach it that way. Because what we do is when we start our day and we kneel and we become humble at the foot of the cross in prayer or in our, our moment of meditation or whatever it may be, we're humbling ourselves and we're fighting that pride. And you can look at Jesus. Jesus was a perfect example of this on His way to, to be crucified. You know where the story starts in the Garden of Gethsemane and He's praying and He says, Lord, not my will, but Your will be done. 
He said, if there's any other way to take this, this is not what I want. Jesus was very clear that he did not want to die that way. But what he said was, not my will, but your will be done. That was a classic example, a perfect example of what it means to crucify our pride, to humble ourselves. Because if we don't, we end up like this younger son. We go out, we do what we want to do. We spend our life the way that we want to spend our life. And without fail, we end up bankrupt and starved. Now it may not just be money. It may be relationships. It may be respect. It may be our name. You can have all the money in the world and still have a bad name. You can still have all the money in the world and still have no respect. I know a lot of I know a lot of women who are uh, very beautiful, they have no respect. And people don't have respect for them. Because they spent their life doing the things that they thought were going to give them satisfaction instead of humbling themselves to what they knew God was calling them to. Some of you guys can relate. Verse 17 says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. The one thing about when we're bankrupt, and we're starved in life because of our decisions, because of our pride, because of all that junk. Is once we get to the end of a rope, we don't have to worry about fighting pride because we don't have any pride left. And you look at this boy, verse 17, it says, when he finally came to his senses. You know, he lived his life and he squandered his life not having any sense about what was important. But when he finally came to his senses, what came with that coming to his senses was a sense of humility. A sense of brokenness. A few weeks ago we talked about the fact that, that everything, that every victory that God gives us in our life goes through brokenness in order to get us there. You look at Jesus. Jesus' body had to be broken in order to gain us victory. You can't have a rainbow without the rain. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he went, so he returned home to his father. While he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming. And you guys are wondering, how does all of this go with this, this theme of make way for the king? And, and this, is, this is where it comes into play. You know, in this story... The Father represents God. It represents, it represents the King. It represents Jesus. And, and in verse 20, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. 
His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on and get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And you know, I love this story, and, and, and I've taught on it before. And one of the things that sticks out to me about this story and about this is, is the fact that while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him. His father didn't wait for him to come up and wait for the apology and wait for all of this kind of, you know, yeah, you, you, I, I deserve an apology. You took my money that I worked hard for and you went out and blew it. All this kind of stuff. So yeah, you come, you're going to grovel a little bit. But you know, what we do is, is we have it in our mind that when we come to God that we have to grovel and that we have to kind of make up for our sins and we have to make up for our pride and we have to make up for all of our bad decisions. And, and, and that keeps us from being what God wants us to be. But here, I, I love this, that when his son does get to him in verse 21, he says, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, for I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And I just see this son, and I see the whole way home that he's rehearsing his apology. You know, that he's learned this meaning of humbleness, that he's has this his pride kind of dealt with and all of this. And he's saying, okay, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this, and he's rehearsing it the whole way home. But if you notice in verse 22, but his father said to the servants, when he saw that his son was home and they embraced, his dad, the father, wasn't, wasn't worried about the apology. He had already turned to the servants and said, quick, bring the finest robe, get the best, get the fat cow, get all of this because my son who was dead is now alive. He was lost, now he's found. And so the party began. And this is where this make way for the king comes in, especially in our lives, is the fact that if we want to be all that God has called us to be, and if we really want to have victory in our life, and if we really want to live the true worth that God has for us, all we have to do is acknowledge our pride. All we have to do is realize that everything comes back to our pride. Everything comes back to just the fact that at some point we have to say, you know what, I've done it my own way long enough. God, whatever you want, whatever you need from me, whatever I have to do for you. And at that moment, at that moment when we come to that realization with God, things begin to change. And this is where this is where you can just see God kind of pushing some of the angels back and we're making way for the king and they're saying he's saying you guys get out of the way because my son, my daughter who was lost is now found they were dead and now they're alive and I'm going to them. See, this is the kind of God we serve and this is what makes our king so different from a king that, 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 that sits on a throne here in a natural realm is the fact that, that when, when you walk into the king's court, you have to bow and, and, and you can't look him in the eye and he stays on that throne or they stay on that throne and, and you can't touch him. You, you, you just, there's this awe and there's this respect. But what makes our king, what makes our God different is the fact that when we come in with that brokenness, he gets up out of his throne and he meets us where we're at. I love what the song was saying and, 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 and what the scripture was saying there in Romans where it says that, that he embraces our condition. It's not that we go and we get our lives cleaned up. You know, when the sun came back, the sun didn't have the finest clothes yet. The sun didn't look presentable. He didn't look worthy. 
his clothes were tattered. They smell of the, the, the pigsty that he had been living in, that he had been working in. But yet his father, who was a man of respect and honor and wealth, put all of that aside and still embraced the condition that he found his son in. That's where our God comes into play is the fact that he embraces the condition that we find ourselves in. It doesn't matter how much pride got us there. Our God meets us there. So if we want to make way for the king in our life, it starts with acknowledging our pride. Some of us just have such a hard time with people telling us what to do and how to live. And, and when it comes to the things of God, we know what we should be doing. And Paul says this. Paul tells us, he says, I struggle with the fact that, 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 that my mind, my heart knows what I ought to do, but I don't do it. My body wants to do something else. My flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is what the Bible tells us. This is what Paul says. And this is the constant battle that we face. And I don't care if you've been saved, you know, 50 years or 5 minutes. We still deal with this exact same thing our entire life. Every day is waking up and saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. Every day is a struggle with pride. But the fact of the matter is, is that the way we make way for the king in our life is to acknowledge our pride. And then confess our pride and confess our desires to God. And pick up what he wants for us. Abby, if you'd come, I'm closing. And I love the fact that the Father, and this is just how our God is, and, and, and this is such a beautiful picture and a beautiful story about the way that our God embraces us is the fact that he told his servants he said I want the best of everything I want the fat calf I want the finest robes I want you to get the rings you know the rings were, were a symbol of status but they were also a symbol of being part of that family and so he's saying he was saying this person who is lost and who is dead and was not part of the family because they went and they squandered it all they're coming back and I'm acknowledging them as being back in, as being a part of the family. And this is what God does for us through the blood of Christ Jesus is that when we come back in, He pushes everything aside and He runs and He embraces us right where we're at. And He says, you are now part of the family. You are a son, a daughter of the King. You are an heir and a co-heir with Christ. And so wherever you find yourself tonight, whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with. Understand that it's because of your pride. Every addiction is traced back to pride. Every divorce is traced back to pride. Every sin is traced back to pride. Every argument is traced back to pride. I love my wife, but she's never lost an argument. She's been wrong a lot, but she's never lost an argument. I'm not even about to turn around and see the look she's giving me right now. But 
But if you really just stop and, and think about your life, and think about the things that you, you face, Pride can be a good thing when we have pride in the right stuff. But pride on its own is always going to intake us where we don't want to go. I remember when I was at college, I had a professor write the word pride on the board. And he said, what's the middle letter? What's the very middle of the word pride? It's letter I. And then right underneath it, he wrote sin. He said, what's the middle of sin? I. See, sin and pride is always a result of, of this. I want this. I need this. I'm going to do this. I, I, I. You look at Lucifer getting thrown out of heaven. The reason Lucifer got thrown out of heaven was because he was prideful. And he said, I can do it better than God. You look at Adam and Eve. The sin started, the first sin was committed because Satan accused God of having too much pride. Well, the reason he doesn't want you to take that is because then you'll know what he knows. And he wants to keep that for himself. But the reason that Adam and Eve took was because they wanted to know, because they thought that they could do. See, it all comes back to pride. It all comes back to the eye. And that's what I think is so powerful about the example we have of Jesus in the garden. Is it wasn't I, it was not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. If you want to live a life of victory, it doesn't start by saying, this is where I'm going. It starts by saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You wake up today, Lord, not my will, but your will be done today. If you're facing a job promotion or a job interview, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. The person that you want to marry, that you're, you know, that you're that you're in a relationship with, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That's where we live this victorious life. That's, that's where it all starts. And that's where we make room, make way for the king in our life. Is that we push our pride aside and we say, no, not my way, but I'm going to make way for the king in my life. That's where it starts. That's how we usher him in. That's how he enters in into our life, into our situation, embrace our condition. So this is just the start of where we're going over the next few weeks. But this is where we have to start because we have to deal with the pride issue. So with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around, I want you to take just a second and I want you to reflect on your life a little bit and the situations that you may find yourself in. As you're sitting there reflecting, I want you to think about your relationship with God. And for some of you, your relationship with God is not what it needs to be. For some of you, maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You, you've been too prideful. You've never come to that point to where you've been able to turn the reins over to Him. For others, maybe you had at one point, but you're not living the life that you should be living. And you need to repent. Some churches call it falling away. Some churches call it backsliding. And, you know, there's lots of different names for it depending on who you're talking to. But really what it comes down to is the fact that 
your relationship with God is not what it needs to be. And if we're even more honest about it, your pride has been the roadblock between you and God. Because every time you feel Him pulling on your heart to go this way or go that way, you kind of pull away and go to do your own thing. So whatever it is, if your relationship with Jesus is not what it needs to be, and tonight you want to push the pride aside in your life and make way for the King to come in and meet you right where you're at. Right where you're sitting, I just want you to raise your hand. Okay, hands are going up. There's another and another and another and another. Anybody else? Okay, you can put them down. I want you to take the hand of the person on your left and the hand of the person on your right. Everybody holding hands. The reason we do this is because as a church, we're all in this together. And you'd say, you know what? I, I should have raised my hand, but there's just something about it. I, I just... And I just couldn't. But you know what? I need to get some. I need to get things right with God. If that's you, I just want you to squeeze the hand of the person on your left. Squeeze the hand of the person on your right. Just let them know. Say, hey man, I need to get things right with God. Now, if somebody squeezed your hand, I just want you to take their hand and lift it up with yours. Okay, you can put them down. What I want to do is I'm going to count to three and I just want you to come find a place at this altar if you raised your hand. And, and look, if somebody squeezed your hand, I want you to bring them up to this altar and I want you to pray with them. We're not going to spend a lot of time. I know we're running a little bit late, but God wants to do something tonight and we're going to, we're going to make way and we're going to make time for the King to move in this place tonight. So on the count of three, if you raised your hand or if somebody squeezed your hand, bring them down. One, two, three. Please come. Thank you.